Hello again. <laughs> Why do I always say that? <laughs> Jacob King. I'm Joshua Best. And this is Somebody, Somebody Else's, Else's Favorite Songs. We're taking a look at the greatest singles of the rock and roll era. 45s that were spun by people on record players from the early 50s on up until their disappearance in the 80s and 90s. These are the 45s that created the rock and roll of the United States. Hey y'all, what's up? Classic 45's Numero Onse today. Yeah, we're into number 11 for our series on Classic 45's. Welcome back. We're happy to have recorded 10 previous ones of these, including the the wild uh, situation that occurred li- uh, two weeks ago with episode 10. Unquestionably one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, I, I, just, I just loved the production that, that Jacob did on that. It was very entertaining well, to me. Uh, it was a bit of a head-scratcher for me because I couldn't make it to the recording uh, last minute, but I thought, how can I include myself in a way that was funny or interesting? And so perhaps I was able to do that. Josh seems Josh seems to think I was successful. I certainly <laughs> thought so. I thought it was really great. So I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as I did, hearing his finished product based on you know just what Joel and I had done recording it. So... Anyway, we're we're here with our off-week project for Classic 45s. Um, so, Jacob, what do you have for us? Okay, well, I have got a single released on December 4th, 1984, and it was written by a guy named Ray Davis, or Ray Davies, or mm-hmm. Davies. There's different pronunciations I've heard, but you know where I'm going with this, don't you? I, I do. The Kinks, from their album Word of Mouth... This is called Do It Again. Is that Steely Dan? (laughs) No, still the one is Steely Dan. This is the Kings. Now we're back where we started Here we go round again 
What did you think of that, Josh? Have you heard that before? I don't know that I have. Well, I can understand why. I mean, this album is coming from 1985 that this single's off of. It's called Word of Mouth. And I actually only know this album like you probably know a song called Living on a Thin Line by them. It was featured uh, several times in an episode of The Sopranos. Ah. And that's where I know it from. And so from that, it's a really interesting song, that one. So I went back and found the album it was on and then listened down through it. And it actually has a few interesting songs on it, including this one, including uh, the title track and another song called Massive Reductions. And, but this was right when the popularity of the Kinks was was down, was was spiraling downward. It wouldn't it wasn't but a few more years before they broke up anyway. But this this song is a pretty good little rock song. Yeah, I really like it. Uh, there's a, a certain callback to the Beatles or a couple of them maybe. Uh, the first thing you hear at the beginning of the song sounds like a hard day's night. That first chord. Very much. And then. Uh, a refrain after the bridge, get back, maybe is Beatles. I, I certainly hear it that way, but that's probably it make, because it would make sense. It would make no sense. But just uh, Ray Davis wrote this song as just kind of part of the, the monotony and dread and the doldrums of working class uh, life. Just getting up in the morning, doing it again, going to your job. It, you know. it made me think a little bit of the first song, on Elvis Costello's debut album, Welcome to the Welcome Working to the Week. Welcome to the Working Week. I know it don't thrill you. I hope it won't kill you. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very similar sentiment. That's just what it brought to and mind. The days go by and you wish you were a different guy, different friends, and a new set of clothes. And he's talking about it's only superficial. It's all only skin deep because the voices in your head keep shouting in your sleep, get back. Back to where you started. Here we go around again. <laughs> so that sounds very much like the... Life of the touring musician, and and that's I was also about to say that was more of his direct inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, but this whole album kind of deals with um, maybe working class type of sentiments. I mean, another song called "Massive Reductions" is about getting fired. That's what they call it in England. If they're if they're having a reduction or redundancy, that may, means they're doing layoffs. I got sacked. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're having a redundancy. <laughs> Well, we're done and seeing I got sacked. <laughs> Back where we started. Bugger this. <laughs> so when I think of the Kinks, and I, I'm really limited in my Kinks knowledge. I mean, I am obviously, too. I think of you really got me yeah. and well-respected man about town. I mean, they and, were they were one of the big British yeah. um, acts of the '60s, no doubt. Yeah, and, and, and they they had they had of more of a they had more of a reb, a rebel sentiment. Yes, and I mean, even up through the '70s with Lola and stuff like that. Mm, exactly. Um, I really couldn't have even told you that they were still making music in the '80s. Th- no, this does not sound a lot like their '60s stuff. No. It sounds like an '80s song, but. Yeah. Lots of echo in there, yeah. and it, you still it still retains the rock sound. Yeah, it does more it does. than more than say other English acts that moved into the eighties, like Eric Clapton we mentioned before. Mm-hmm, Synthy mm-hmm. sound and everything. This is more rock, uh, but this single didn't do anything. It it charted in Australia. Um, it didn't do it again. It didn't do it again. 
<laughs> no, actually, no, it charted in the States as well, but it, it was it was a very minor hit. And the album only reached number 45 the next year when it came out. It was on the charts for, I think, half a year. So, But like I said, three years later, they would break up. Um, but I thought this would be a, a fun song to include. Truly one that people wouldn't are likely to have not heard unless they're a legitimate Kinks fan. So, do it again by the Kinks. Well, very good. And it serves, being the Kinks, it kind of serves as a, a segue in a certain <laughs> way into what I want to play. Because the, the song that I want to share is an American record that was released in 1964, or recorded in 1964, but not released until 1965. So that was right in the middle of the, the British invasion. And in fact, if my memory serves me correctly, it was from the time that the British invasion happened, this actually became the first million-selling American single since all the British acts started selling all the Oh, records. really? Yeah. And it was not a number one song, yet it was named the number one song of the year by Billboard, <laughs> which is an odd thing for a song not that is to odd. be reached, uh, not to reach number one, to be the number one song of the year because it was on the chart virtually the whole year. In fact, that's something that did not happen again for another 35 years when Faith Hill did it with Breathe. <laughs> Her song never reached number one, but everybody knew it of because course. it was all over the place. Of and course. It, was, it ended up being the number one record of the year. Now I'm dying, is, to, I'm dying to know. This is nothing at all like Breathe, and it's not much at all like uh, Do It Again. But we're going to talk about Hattie and Matty and a thing they saw. This is Wooly Bully. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro.
haven't heard that song in years. Uh, definitely uh, another wow. one from uh, that was on my Goofy Gold album. I was fixing to say, Goofy Gold. <laughs> when, what, what year did you say this was? 65. Recorded that, in 64, released in 65. That just goes to show you that the, the novelty craze was still going strong, even as uh, the Beatles, etc., and their, you know... Commonwealth compadres took over the airwaves. In, in, in a, a way, sort of could be considered a last gasp for that sort of thing. But bubblegum was soon around the corner. I mean, by by 1968, I think it was, you were still getting things like Sugar Sugar being number one hits. You know, and yeah. so it, it would it would stick around for a while. But as far as a a party record, of course, this is. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Domingo Sam Samudio from Dallas, actually. Yeah, I just I just read that. And he, he he's actually still alive. <laughs> but Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs, he, he were were want to dress where he would wear this turban, and all of the <laughs> Pharaohs would wear the garb that was actually inspired by him seeing the Ten Commandments and the the Pharaoh headgear. <laughs> so that's where. That's where this came from, and of course they had two big hits. This being the the biggest, the big and the one. other was my one of my personal favorites, "Little Red Riding Hood," which I've always just been real fond of that song. I used to sing it to the kids. And everything. I don't guess I've ever heard that one. Oh well, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, really? Maybe I'd recognize it if I heard it. You, you've never, you never, we've never played that ever. I mean, like I said, I may mm-hmm. recognize it if I heard it. Uh, you'd probably remember it since he goes out. <laughs> Werewolves of London? No, no, that's... Ah, <laughs> Oh. By the way, I would like to meet his tailor if I ever got a chance. Oh, yes, you would, because he's wearing this turban. So, whoa, we're mixing it all up now. So, <laughs> so Sam as, Sham, as we're wanting to do. Um, again, taking their, their, um, <laughs> their cue from the Ten Commandments, and Yul Brenner in particular as the Pharaoh, come out with this song, Wooly Bully. And I... I don't really know what to say to talk about it. Obviously, their biggest hit. It's a song virtually everybody has heard. So I'll refer to one of my my books. You know, information is readily available on the internet, and we use it all the time. But there are still some books that I like to go back to from time to time. And one of my favorites is a book by Dave Marsh. And Dave Marsh is a a rock and roll critic. Um, and rock and roll writer that has been around a long time and actually was one of the co-editors on the Rolling Stone record guide. So, I mean, he's, he's a music guy that is, is fairly well known in the business. And this particular book is called The Heart of Rock and Soul, The 1001 Greatest Singles Ever Made. The heart of rock and soul, heart of rock and soul, <laughs> still beaten. <Yes. laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> So anyway, this is, it's a book that goes through and just lists and has little write-ups on, on various uh, great songs from rock and soul. Which, which and you have referred to often to pick your song for I, Classic 45. Well, I have referred to it a couple of or times. Or at least referred to it to get information. Yeah, um, but this, this time, I just want to read Dave Marsh's entry okay. on Wooly Bully, which he lists as the 78th greatest rock and soul song ever. So, uh, among his list of the greatest singles ever, Wooly Bully came in at number 78. And here's what he says. 
Wooly Bully towers over the mass of overrated mid-60s garage rock, not because it doesn't fulfill all the requirements of the genre, from cheesy organ riffs to exaggerated lyric silliness, but because it (laughs) satisfies them entirely. For all its indecipherability, Wooly Bully's tough groove and riffing sax are pure Tex-Mex rhythm and blues. What is Wooly Bully? Only someone totally L7 would ask. But since you did, a good guess is that it's a phrase that sings great and gives Sam Samudio the chance to bleat and yowl like a drunken Dadaist about sexual activities <laughs> that would otherwise annoy the Federal Communications Commission. <laughs> That's like good writing. That. I like that. <laughs> I can't put it any better than that. I was going to say, of course, the reference to L7, now that's picked back up later by one Sir Paul McCartney. Yes, indeed. So one of the, the lyric that is referred to there is when he says, let's not be L7, come and learn to dance. If you're not familiar with that old phrase, if you take your left hand and, and hold it up and put up your index finger and thumb, you've got an L. And if you take your right hand and do the same, but turn it and uh, upside down, You'll make us an L and a seven, and you put those together. Don't be a square. square. Don't be a square. Don't be a square. Or as Uma Thurman did in Pulp Fiction, don't be a rectangle. (laughs) 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 Which I guess the L seven kind of makes a rectangle too. But that's what it. Don't be L seven. Come and learn to dance. So that's slang of the time. And Jacob is correct. Later, Sir Paul McCartney would pick that up. See Moon, and he would say, "It um, it would be L seven, and I'll never get to heaven if I fill my head with glue." Glue? Glue. How about gloom? <laughs> I always heard it as glue until I learned later. That's funny. I filled my head with glue. I mean, <laughs> what's it all to you? <laughs> <laughs> so, it, I, I won't say it's genius. It, it may be just as silly as L7, but McCartney's idea was... He didn't want to be square. He wanted to be round. So he'll take the crescent moon, and that makes a... a C or, moon. A, a backwards C, and then he'll put a C in front of it. And so the C and the moon make a circle instead of <laughs> L7's square. But L- yes, he specifically refers to this song. And LOL. Being <clears throat> L7, and apparently he was filling his head with glue. What's it all to you? <laughs> What's it all about? So. I really did think it was glue for a long time. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, they, why not? They filled their head with everything else, so go right ahead. Fill your head with glue, folks. Uh, later in his career, uh, Sam worked with uh, a lot of different people on, on various projects, most notably considering those that we worked about. He actually worked with uh, Ry Cooter and Freddie Fender on a Jack Nicholson film later. That's interesting. So he continued to be in and about the business, but finally retired and worked in Mexico as an interpreter and as a first mate on small commercial boats in the Gulf of Mexico and then became a motivational speaker. Well, that... <laughs> uh, so an interesting, How interesting. An interesting guy, uh, Sam Samudio, but this record is his biggest print on American culture as one of the great garage rock bands ever recorded in Memphis, not surprising, you can kind of hear it. That was Wooly Bully by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. Well, how about that? Pretty <laughs> that was an interesting song and certainly a, a blast from my past. Like I said, I don't think I've heard that song in forever. 
Well, ultimately, uh, you know, when we started talking about this, we talked about the, or when we started doing this series, we, we talked about how the single was sort of the currency of American rock and roll mm-hmm. for, for a long time. And there are a lot of great ones. And we've talked about, you know, some that we like, some that were great, some that are lesser known. But for me, the ones that really satisfy that are the late 50s and early 60s, two, two and a half minute party records. Yep. You know, like Louie Louie or this or or something like that. I mean, to me, those are just, that's the real birth of American rock and roll. Uh, right down to what for years was the the greatest the greatest song in American history as far as um, charting and they did it different back then but it was don't be cruel by Elvis Presley and that's kind of the benchmark against which all rock and roll singles were held for many many years and I just love these I wasn't around then. Jacob wasn't around then. No, but we uh, we certainly make a point to go go back and check them out. That's and for sure. Some of you listeners, though, were, and I just like to imagine, you know, people a generation ahead of me getting together with stacks of forty fives and putting them on their record players and just dancing around and enjoying themselves <laughs> putting on them afternoon. on and having themselves a good old time mm-hmm. or playing them on the jukebox at the at the, the diner soda, yeah or, or the soda fountain or wherever i mean that, it's just <laughs> it, maybe maybe there's some um shall we say stereotyping in doing that maybe. but it happened and it happened all over this country and there's there's something really really cool about that and and i like songs like this yeah i like them too so I selected Wooly Bully by Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. I selected Do It Again by the Kinks. And there you go. That is another episode of Classic 45s for you. We, we hope that you'll join us next week for episode next Monday for episode 17, which will be kind of a just a, a rundown of, of songs that we've been listening to more recently. It will be. And we're not sure what it's called yet, but we're going to come up with something good for you. Well, it, 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 it could just be a virtual audio smorgasbord. It could well indeed be that. Or something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just go ahead and say it. We recorded next week's episode before this one, so we already know what it's going to be called. We're just going to leave it at that. That's exactly right. <laughs> we had fun doing it. We hope you'll join us then. We'll look forward to seeing you. Until that time, I'm Josh. I'm Jacob. And this has been Somebody Somebody Else's else's Favorite favorite Classic classic 45s. 45s.
go right ahead. Fill your head with glue, folks. <laughs>